Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. I'm back. I know a lot of you thought I wouldn't be, but here I am. Um, we've been kind of hit and miss yeah, here lately. There's been so much going on. And uh, so we've just had to do what we could do when we could do it. Anyway, we're going to start back up tonight and hopefully have a full schedule the next few weeks. So watch for those announcements. Uh, there, Like I say, there's so much, so much going on. And we have contacted so many representatives and senators and governors and attorneys general and this one and that one and somebody else. And well, they, the, the one thing I can say is they have all quit with the, well, I never heard of such a thing. Well, nobody told me this was happening. Uh, how come I don't know about it? Well, I'm going to look into this and I'll call you back. Of course, that call never comes. Um, as I've said before, up in Minnesota, uh, one of the staffers for a senator up there said to me, she said, that, oh, they would never get rid of the probate system because it saved the state a lot of money. And I said, let me correct you. It makes the state a lot of money. There's a difference. And they get, again, every state every year gets uh, from Title 20 Social Security block grants, a large portion of which is earmarked for elder services and care. This can be many, many, many millions of dollars, but it is all deposited into the general treasury with no strings attached and no accounting. And so you can guess where that money's going, but it isn't going anywhere in there to help elders. But we have seen so much law breaking in these probate courts, uh, constitutional violations. Of course, you cannot apply the vi- uh, constitution in a probate because you are in a tribunal, not an Article Three constitutional court. So the common law does not apply. You are running on statute and code and what they call administrative law, which isn't law at all. And um, it's just rules they made up to benefit themselves. So they have got to be abolished. It is a way of stripping you of your rights, declaring you dead in the law, which is exactly what happens. This is a civil death. When you are guardianized, you are made a ward of the state, meaning a prisoner of the state. You are no different than a person in a prison charged with a felony. And the only thing is you haven't committed any crime. And this is another reason these were all taken out of state court. You haven't done anything wrong. There is nothing you can be charged with. So civil or criminal court wasn't working. They had to produce evidence. They had to follow certain rules of procedure. In these administrative tribunals, they do not have to do any of that. 
uh, they just run renegade and do whatever they want. And they do do whatever they want. Now, one of the things that they do is take away an individual's religious freedom, their right to associate with their <laughs> religion of choice, like a priest, a minister, a pastor, um, anybody in that capacity, even members of the same church that they go to, are not allowed to visit and see them, to communicate with them. So our guest tonight is someone who just came into our purview here recently, and his name is Reverend Ralph, and he's out of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. He contacted us after he explored the complaints he was hearing about what was happening in this probate system, and after examining what he was given, figured out that there was something terribly wrong here. His concern, of course, is religious freedom. Uh, one of the things that is done to an individual who's targeted and guardianized is uh, everything is taken from them. Their uh, legal agency, that means the right to their own identity and to their own life, that's gone. Legal capacity, which is the right to conduct their own business and freely associate, that's taken from them also. And they basically are considered dead in the law. This is a civil death. They cannot at this point, even if they were in a court of law, could not claim the Constitution because what they have done to them is strip them of their humanity, their identity, of their being. And as such, you can't claim any rights. But anyway, so uh, Reverend Alf, Ralph contacted Kaz, and she was quite impressed with what he had to say. And uh, so he's going to be talking with us. Reverend Ralph, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Marty. Uh, good evening, yes. listeners, coast, coast to coast. Uh, I've yes, been an ordained minister. Okay, I have been an ordained minister now for about two years. Before that, I did criminal investigations worldwide for 42 years. I became a minister because I saw the need for elderly people to have a person they can talk to, because they are in various types of retirement and nursing care facilities. I saw how they had no one to talk to because their loved ones were either deceased or lived far away. I saw the loneliness that these people were suffering, and this is just as serious to their health and life as any disease. When, no, when people have no one to talk to, they become extremely depressed, withdrawn, and sometimes give up the desire or will to live. Even if they get a common cold, the will to live just doesn't exist anymore, and they simply give up the will to live. When I started talking to these people in those places, I learned of an extremely disgusting and cruel crime that some of them have been victims of. That crime is the corruption in the legal guardian racket. It is a scam that is no different than any other type of scam. Its only purpose is stealing money and property from those with a lot of money and a home. The scams involve lawyers that are corrupt, judges that are corrupt, psychologists, and legal guardians themselves. Those people start the process of having a person declared incapacitated. In Pennsylvania and in most other states, a psychologist is hired who claims they can decide if a person is mentally incapacitated and need a guardian to take control of their lives, usually both of the person and their estate their estate being their money and property. 
But the problem is all of those corrupt people work together and promote each other as a gang. It's a racket, a crime, and their crime is referred to as racketeering. That crime falls under the statute called RICO, R-I-C-O, a major federal offense. It's not unusual for guardians to have many people under their control, sometimes 10, 20, or more. There are cases where some of these guardians have 100 or up to 1,000 people. When a person has that many elderly people to take care of, the welfare of those people is ignored. The only concern of the guardian is to grab as much of the person's money as possible. And I'm talking about the corrupt guardians, not the people that are honest in what they want to do to help those people get through life. To start, a document called a petition is filed by a person to start the process. Most of the time, it is a family member who wants to take care of the person and loves the person. But there are times when a family member only wants the person's money because they think they are entitled to it. I became aware of this crime and became involved in it personally about a year ago because it involves a very, very close and loved person. A very, very close relative of that loved person filed a petition only to put the person into a low-rated nursing home until the person dies, sell the person's house, and then collect the inheritance. I have been fighting to stop this person from losing their home and their money that they have. I've been fighting for over a year to protect this loved person. It has been an extremely long and expensive nightmare that goes on every day of every week of every month. I have seen the massive corruption of the courts and the judges who are part of this racket. This matter is taking place in Pennsylvania in the Montgomery County Orphans Court. That court and several of its judges and their corruption has been documented in this radio show and in the news website called Shenanigans of the Montgomery County Court for decades. About a year ago, I created my own news website about guardianship corruption called protectmyparents.us. If anybody wants to contact me, please go to my website, protectmyparents.us. We have a section there where you can send me an email, and I will get in contact with you. There are several major other sites that cover this problem, and they are very, very well done and are very detailed with a lot of good information. Because of my 41 years doing criminal investigations, during the petition trial of this very, very loved person, I found out that in Pennsylvania, there are no standards as to what is an accurate evaluation to determine incapacitation. Now, it may vary in other states, but not in Pennsylvania. And I was able to extract that information during the petition hearing. Unfortunately, the judge accepted it the evaluation as completely accurate, despite the psychologist's own testimony to otherwise. Incapacitation is the term used to classify a person who will need a guardian of either the person or their estate, that is their money, or both. The court and those corrupt lawyers simply use the report of a psychologist and his title of psychologist and his previous work history to claim the person in question is incapacitated. 
and then it's off to the bank to begin stealing the assets and the house of this newest victim. The incapacitated person's new legal name is called Ward. In the coming weeks, I will be telling you just how corrupt the Montgomery County Orphans Court is, along with just a few of the lawyers and guardians that I've had the very misfortune to know and deal with in this matter. This particular court and judge I'm dealing with had issued an order that said I cannot use the name of the person I am helping, even though the person said I could. That is why I refer to this person as simply a very loved person. Clearly, this judge and their partners in crime want to keep their crimes on the victims away from the public view. I will also be talking in the coming weeks about the massive crime on law enforcement that's been going on for 30 years by a con man selling fake lie detectors nationwide to police, sheriff, prisons, college police, district attorneys, all the way up to the U.S. military. For decades, there were many high-level people, including those buyers and others, such as the former district attorney of Montgomery County, the FBI, the current, the current Attorney General Shapiro, the current Governor Wolf, and various law enforcement associations that have known about this scam but have done nothing to stop it. In Montgomery County, six different police departments had bought this device, the fake lie detector, and again, it goes right directly to the Montgomery County courts. The problem is those fake lie detectors are used by law enforcement to test people accused of crimes, but the accuracy is no better than a coin toss based on independent studies. In Pennsylvania, about 73 police departments and six district attorney's offices bought the gadgets at $10,000 each. How many millions of criminal cases have been botched up and how many millions of innocent people have gone to prison because of them? How many millions of criminals nationwide have gotten away with their serious crimes? In conclusion, make no mistake, if you have gone through this legal guardian nightmare, you know the pain and expense of it. Maybe you are still going through it. Find out in your state what the evidence is to decide if a person is incapacitated. It could help you protect your loved one from going through a life of misery and heartache and poverty. If the evaluation involves the psychologist and his evaluation, ask this psychologist, what are your independent studies that proved his evaluation and any paper and pencil tests he may have used have a high degree of accuracy? Ask for proof independent studies, not just his word. The fact is, in Pennsylvania, paper and pencil tests and nationwide can be downloaded from the Internet for free. And there is no time limit, no standards, no number of paper and pencil tests to, that are required to determine if a person is incapacitated. Now, make no mistake, there are times when it's clearly obvious a person does need a guardian. And if a family member doesn't want to do it, then a guardian must be appointed. But it's not just simply anybody can do it. Find out what their qualifications are to be a guardian. 
find out how many people they have under their control and ask for references from family members. Otherwise, this person can just be a slave of the guardian. And I look forward to speaking next week with more information about what I have learned about this guardianship corruption. Thank you for all of that. That's very well done. One of the things they do where this religious stuff comes in, uh, people are usually very, very connected with their religious affiliations. And it's called trauma-based bonding. And what they do is they strip them of everything that comprises their life. It means anything to them, anybody who means anything to them. And they isolate them to such a degree that affects them psychologically. And this is a known torture method that is taught by the U.S. military for when they take prisoners, how to break them down quickly, is they do exactly what you're talking about, Reverend. And uh, I have done an article here maybe seven, eight months ago, uh, about the methods used, I think it was the Bernstein methods for coercion. And you can go right down that list, and that is exactly what these predators do to people that they target. Now, I don't know about you or you, cause, but the Britney Spears case really brought all of this to the forefront. And you notice how quickly, how quickly she was relieved of that conservatorship. Um, after yeah. all that time, yeah, fighting and trying to hang on, uh, how quickly they relieved conservatorship. Uh, She has gotten married since. She's going to have a baby. But it was this high-profile case that was moving like wildfire across the country, and it really brought this to the forefront. In addition to that was the Netflix movie, I Care A Lot, that was actually based on um, April Parks from Nevada and how she was operating, and she's now serving 40 years, but, of course, no restitution. But one of the first things she did in every case was remove religious affiliation. Uh, This is, for so many people, this is such an important connection and a basis for how they live their life and what their belief system is, that when you take that from them, the psychological damage is massive, which is exactly why it's done. Uh, There is so much corruption in these tribunals. Uh, I noticed when I was first in this so many years ago that a lot of times in these cases they would take everything from the person except the right to vote. And I thought, isn't that odd? Why would they do that? You know, if you can't do anything else, why would you be allowed to vote? And, well, it turns out they really aren't. The Guardian is selling their vote to what they call bundlers, who collect all of these people's names and their information, and then they sell them to various attorneys who work for most political parties, and then they cast votes in these people's names. That's how dead people vote, because the other thing they do is they go to, um, like, nursing homes and other places and get lists of dead people, people who passed away, and they get all their information. They sell those also, and, of course, the votes are cast. Uh, in that person's name, even though they might have died two or three years before. But this, uh, the psychological torture that you're talking about, Reverend, is um, I think it's one of the most devastating aspects. People generally do not recover from this. Uh, You might rescue them. You might put their life together, back together to some degree. But the damage psychologically is done. 
and you talked about these psychologists issuing these reports. We've had more than one case where psychiatrists have written to judges and guardians based on what so-and-so told me, this person suffers from XYZ, and if this doesn't work, let me know. I'll write you up something else. That's how dishonest this system is. And since the answers to these questions they asked um, are based on their own interpretation of what it might mean, uh, I think it's a pretty loaded situation. They're, they're not going to come out good either way. And um, so it, there are a lot of things in this, but you brought out this religious aspect is particularly a profoundly damaging uh, aspect to this what it does to people, because usually at this point in their life, they've been a member of the same church, the same religious community, sometimes 20, 30, 40 years, and you take that away from them. And it's like they're being flung out into outer space. When you've approached other people about this, Reverend, what was their response? Did they have any response to this? Well, they were uh, baffled. A lot of them were baffled on why they were being isolated so much, uh, why they weren't allowed a phone in the room, why they weren't allowed visitors. And again, it's all about taking advantage of these people and keeping them away from anybody that can uh, help them. Yeah. Any kind of support. Uh, anybody who yeah, might that's... offer. And if they they detect that you are trying to support that person, they'll get rid of you. Uh, they'll get a court order, which apparently they just have to go in and say, I want one. Uh, another thing, to a tribunal, the hearing examiner um, has no authority to issue warrants for arrest, none whatsoever, because they are not actual judges of the law. They don't have an oath on file, nothing. And so when they threaten someone, like we've had people threaten, if you mention the Constitution one more time, I'll have you put in jail. Well, they have no authority to do that. What they do is send that request over to a state-level judge who will issue the order and send it back to the tribunal. And that's actually how you get arrested. But that person sitting up there calling them judge, for one thing, that's a fraud. And, uh, but they have no authority to jail you on any, any purpose whatsoever. And, um, but, you know, we brought up, Reverend, we brought up over the years this isolation and the abuse the psychological abuse alone is devastating and many times when you add neglect and physical abuse to this bad food um you know like you said no phone uh, they take their hearing aids they take their dentures they take everything yeah. from them that makes them human and then say see they, they, they're not competent no you messed them up that's what you did you intentionally messed it and i'll tell you where this thing of um the religious thing comes from in the Afghan war when that uh, – and it always surprised me that it was a woman, and I can't remember her name right offhand, who – she still heads this department in the Department of Defense who okayed torture. And one of the things they did was called Operation Moonbeam, and what that is is a holographic program. And they said when they're ready, they're going to use it on the rest of the world. And I keep telling everybody what you see them doing overseas to these people. It's a test run for what they're going to do to you. They would make it appear with the hologram that Muhammad would appear in their cell and be talking to them. Many of them died from fright right on the spot. Others simply lost their minds, and uh, they thought it was a pretty good program. 
but the, this uh-huh. effect that they chose religion. That those people are deeply religious, and they use this hologram to terrorize them. And Muhammad would be telling them to cooperate, tell everything you know. If you don't, you know, all hell's going to rain down on you, blah, blah, blah. But like I say, a lot of people just simply died from fright. But that severing of that connection, that religious connection, seems to be particularly devastating. Do you think that's true, or am I off base on that? No, you're you're very much on base with that. The fact that... uh, they will manipulate these people at the nursing homes, retirement homes, either through medication or through isolation. And the guardians basically will tell the staff what those people are allowed or not allowed. Uh, yeah. It's Again, the staff and the director of those places are scared to death of violating any court order because they could be sued or prosecuted, whatever. So it's it's a very, very serious thing to be able to control what goes on with that person's life for the rest of their life. And again, yeah, psychological, it's like psychological warfare is what it is by these guardians. uh, In my opinion, and I'm only talking about the corrupt ones, not the others that are good, honest people, but the corrupt ones they are as evil as evil can be, and they seem yeah. to get a pleasure. They get a pleasure, a sick pleasure, out of doing these things to these people. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like a control. You know, they're, they're like control freaks. Yeah. Uh, one of the things over the years, I've been doing this such a long time, and I've always said, I've heard many people say they're not all bad. But bring me the name of one that isn't just one. We'll celebrate them. And 14 <laughs> years later, I'm still waiting for that name. And um, I have not heard of one. Yeah, go ahead. Marty, six months ago, you said something that was very, very true. You said lawyers are not on your side. They are on their side. And that's exactly true. And and I feel so sorry for these people, uh, the the loved ones of the victims, where they're not – they don't have a choice. Either they spend all their money, take out a second mortgage on their home just to pay lawyers in the hopes yep. of something being done, or sit there with guilt within themselves for the rest of their lives that, well, they yep. have money, but the victim, their loved one, mother, father, sister, brother, grandparents, or have suffered and are just becoming vegetables. Yes. Well, that was one of the things yeah. I noted early on in this was that people were taking out second and third mortgages on their homes to pay these attorneys. They were spending their kids' as college funds trying to save mom, dad, or whomever from these predators. And in no case were they ever successful. They ended up losing everything. The idea that these people can operate and promote themselves as, you know, being the good guys and we'll save the day and all of this um, is just... It's just unbelievable uh, that they get away with this, but they write the laws, they write the statutes, they write the codes, the regulations. They write it all, and it's all to benefit them. Uh, We had a bill come out recently um, up in Minnesota, I believe it was. Damn good bill, strong, had teeth in it. And I keep telling people when you see these bills come out, these what I call fluff and buffs, and basically all they are is a bitch slap to the public. You know, we're going to protect the Elderly Act, and you get in there, but there's no crime cited. There's no one cited as having committed if who would commit this crime. And if they have, who would hold them accountable and who would do enforcement? 
none of that's in there, which makes the bill worthless. And then you find that there's stuff stuck in the bill, like um, the guardian has all rights to alter the will and change funeral direction and all of this stuff. It absolutely is one of the biggest con games going out there. And um, one of the things we have been looking into, Marcia Southwick and I from NASCA, has been the selling of whole bodies or body parts upon death. And the family won't be notified for two, three, four weeks, a month or two months later. Oh, by the way, they died. Oh, we had them cremated. You had what was left of them cremated. And this is done so that all evidence is destroyed of anything that happens. But they are selling the body parts. And they are like you, seven thousand for a head, a full head with the neck, and it's uh, fifty-seven hundred for a shoulder with the arm attached. Uh, and they sell it to university research labs. And this is a whole underground operation that's been running for a long time. And this is exactly why they will not stop abortion. Though there's money in those dead babies, lots and lots and lots of money, and. Um, that's the comeback on that. But, you know, we talk about how, you know, we're a Christian country. I'd have to differ with that. No, we're not. Um, we were based on Christian principles. No, no, we were not. In fact, the founding fathers made a point of saying that this would succeed only if we could keep religion and the state separated. As long as you could keep religion out of it, you'd be okay. But see, religion has gotten into it. And we keep hearing all this religious stuff, you know, oh, you know, God said this, and we're supposed to defend life, and we're supposed to... And they don't mean any of it. It's just to get you engaged and get you thinking a certain way. And, um, you know, it, there, there's so much subterfuge going on here, ulterior motives. But what they haven't been able, and this is the only way I've ever seen them able to do it, to break somebody down is to remove that religious connection. When you take that away from them, it's like it's disempowering. They lose their mental strength, even their physical strength many times. So this is, I think, very pertinent, very important that we take a deep look into this. What do you think? Well, I agree with you totally, Marty. Uh, the fact that, again, people in their later stages of life are hoping that there is an afterlife so they can meet their loved ones that have deceased, have been deceased. And to take that away from them, it basically is, it, it, basically they're thinking that they're just going to hell. I mean, that, you yeah. know, that if they can't practice their religion and respect the deity of their choice, that is basically insulting their deity. And basically, they feel they're going to be going to hell because uh, they're disrespecting the deity of their religion. Uh, I want right. to point out a couple of things, uh, Marty. Um, in, in the first thing that people nationwide, as I had said earlier, check to see what the evaluation standards are in their state. If there are none, then they have something to hope for, the fact that what is a accurate evaluation, a five-minute talk, a 10-minute talk? And in Pennsylvania, as I said, there are no standards for what constitutes an accurate evaluation, which means somebody right. can just do one for five minutes or whatever, but they rely, the lawyers, the corrupt lawyers, rely on the title of psychologist. And in Pennsylvania, 
they call they give themselves the title of neuropsychologist. And I asked yeah. one in trial, I said, is that a earned title or a self-given title? And he uh-huh. said, self-given, which means oh. I can call myself king if I want. That's a self-given title. Now, yeah. in Pennsylvania, there is what's called, uh, as part of the evaluation, or it's called an IME. A person must be given an IME, independent medical evaluation. But the problem is no medical tests are ever given. And again, I ask that same so-called neuropsychologist, um, you know, what medical test did you give this loved person? And the reply was, what, what are you talking about? And I said, well, did okay. you give them a hearing test, yeah. uh, an eye test? And, and they said, well, no, I didn't give any. Then it's not a medical evaluation. And what's important is that uh, for those people that were victimized, I mean, not, not the victims, but the loved ones who were victimized, if, if their loved ones did not get a thorough uh, medical evaluation, just simply some made-up test, then they have the right to sue the lawyer for malpractice because they did not do their due diligence. For these lawyers, all they did was push papers around just to get the money out of it. So therefore, that's fraud. That is out now fraud. And one of the things I have seen that corrupt lawyers do is they use contempt orders to get what they want. That yes, you know, if if they decide that uh, somebody is a pain, if somebody's interfering with their uh, stealing or whatever manipulation of somebody, they'll simply file a contempt order against that person with the judge and the judge who is corrupt, and therefore that judge can fine them. They can put them in prison if they want anything just to uh, to intimidate somebody from trying to help their loved one. It's so, it's so awful. And um, Reverend, as I listen to all this that's happening in Montgomery County, I don't know if you're aware, but I totally got into, I mean, this whole movement because of my loved one being guardianized in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to tell you, so he was Buddhist. And his name's Harvey Witten. See, I can say it now, and you can go to Nazca and read his profile. So anyway, or Google Harvey Witten. There's all kinds of stuff out there. So he's Buddhist, and we knew that he was being overmedicated on five milligrams of halidol. So we had planned on getting our own autopsy, and we had found a doctor in New Jersey that was going to do it. Oh gosh, they're called um, a forensic. Oh Marty, help me. What are they called? Forensic examiner is it yes yeah it's yeah a forensic examiner so you don't just go to the doctor you have to go to these forensic examiners so when we met with the forensic examiner who we were going to hire to do the autopsy and we were ready before he had passed away because they had thrown him in hospice and they had a fit and they're they basically felt that they were going to cremate him upon death and we hired attorneys and we used the freedom of religion and him being a Buddhist, um, according to Buddhism, your spirit doesn't leave your body for eight days. And the fact that we had to court and fight for a religious freedom 
for Harvey Witten that he was a Buddhist monk and so that they wouldn't, you know, cremate his body before eight days. And Diane Zabowski of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, fought tooth and nail for Harvey Witten to have his religious rights. Now, we end up finding out that Halidol, and this is, hey, give these guardians credit. They know what drugs to use to cover up their crimes. Just get the medical records, though. All the listeners, make sure you get those medical records. You'll find it there. Um, Halidol, you won't find the overdose effects on a on an autopsy. What Halidol does is it ages your organs, and it will just look like the person died of old age. The evidence is while they're still alive, and so we do have all the videotape of that. You're going to see kind of like uh, almost like a mask. The face is like a mask, different shaky body movements. So make sure that you're videotaping your loved ones when you go to to visit. And so the day when we have our day in court, and I believe someday we will see justice, I'm holding out for it. We have all this to prove what we're saying on top of the medical records. But the fact that they were going to cremate him right away because they were afraid of this autopsy that we were going to be paying for, and they were Cause, afraid of what we were going to find. Yes, Reverend? Uh, yeah. You, you brought up a superb, superb point just now about embalming and cremation. I checked because I was very afraid that if something happened to my loved one uh, that I've been – that this person, the relative that filed the petition originally, I was mm-hmm. afraid that if something – if this person died, that the person would be cremated – and any evidence of overdosing or air bubbles yeah. by a corrupt nurse uh, yeah. would be gone forever. And I found out in Pennsylvania, only again, all I know is Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, right. a person's spouse must sign off on the cremation before a funeral director will uh, cremate the person, or if there's no spouse all of their children must sign off for a cremation. So that that is good news for people who are thinking like, you know, good investigators that uh, what if that evil person just has like a guardian would cremate the person to destroy any evidence. Mm-hmm. Again, I was an investigator for 41 years. Also, as far as embalming, that can be disastrous where embalming will take away any evidence of overdosing or so forth. So you brought up very, very good points. Now, I, I, I did not hear clearly, Kaz, did you say Zabowski did or did not fight for your uncle's religious uh, rights? No, she fought against his religious rights. Okay. We had to pay our own attorney to fight for his religious rights. And while we're talking about Diane Zabowski, I would like to mention something that I have the court records to prove and back up what I am about to say. Deb Clack, who I, in my opinion, is a terrible, terrible guardian. She does not care about her wards. She, I know numerous people who have Deb Clack in, in care of their loved ones. And in my opinion, Deb Clack brings on adverse health reactions with her wards. 
And I feel, in my opinion, I can back it up with Harvey's medical records and the five milligrams of Halidol, which is documented with 3,000 pages of documents. So Montgomery County people listening have at me. So anyway, we have all these medical records. We were petitioning the courts that this is wrong. The Mayo Clinic, basically, you know, the black box warning about all this. So anyway, Diane Zabowski has Deb Clark on the stand, and she said, Deb, the Wintons seem to be concerned that Harvey doesn't have his teeth or his hearing aids or his eyeglasses because this was, and it's documented, we were constantly complaining. We have emails. We have court records. So I'm not making this up. And then, so basically, Deb is admitting that Harvey doesn't have these things. He doesn't have his teeth. He doesn't have his hearing aids, and he doesn't have his glasses. Okay, am I making that clear? And are you ready for this? On the record, under oath, Diane Zabowski says to Deb Clock, but Deb, you're concerned with the more important things. Reverend and Marty, could you please tell me what is more important than having your teeth, your eyeglasses, and your hearing aids? Because I'm, I would like to know what Deb Clock and Diane Zabowski think is more important than those basic needs. And just right there that Deb Clock doesn't think these things are important should basically have her kicked off of being a guardian of anybody, anybody in Montgomery yeah. County. And I mean, it's just disgusting. So I do have the records of that. I believe that is that the records were posted on shenanigans in Montgomery County Facebook, but I could um, check in with Mr. Shenanigans if we need to get that posted again, if people are interested to see but, I, I mean, under oath, Deb Clark basically said she has things that she's more concerned. I mean, what, getting the estate, getting the money, billing, what, what is more important than, the, than your teeth, your hearing aids, and your glasses? I'm still waiting for that answer. Does anybody cause, have that answer? Yeah. Yeah, cause this is Reverend. Uh, I agree with you totally. I mean, this is a form of torture. It's a torture, a barbaric and inhumane torture of people. When you deny somebody their teeth, that they can't chew food, that all they can eat is applesauce, when they deny Mm -hmm. the person glasses so they can read a newspaper, you might as well just put a hood over their head and just stick them in a closed room with the lights off. It is disgusting. It is barbaric. And it, if a soldier, if a prisoner of war soldier went through something like that, that would violate the Geneva Convention of how to treat a prisoner. And to say that a person doesn't, shouldn't have glasses or shouldn't have their teeth, uh, they can't speak. Think of how dehumanizing that is to the person, that they can't speak clearly. The people, mm-hmm. their loved ones keep saying, what did you say? What did you say? What did you say? That's yeah. sick. That is sick. It's, it's just the same as yeah. pulling wings off of a fly. And then it gets even better. Judge Stanley Ott of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, he, he agreed with Deb and Diane that, you know what, this is how we should treat the elderly. Why are you sitting there as a judge in an orphan court overseeing guardianship when you think this behavior is okay? That's, I mean, what, you know, what, is, what did Ott what was I thinking that it's all right to sell children into a slavery or something? I don't know what Ott thinks, but 
I mean, he, well, he works, clearly Bob doesn't works care now. about the elderly. Well, certainly not. Uh, he doesn't care about huma- or humanity. I like to see somebody yeah. treat his mother that way and see what he'd say. Yeah. Uh, let's point out that Ott now is associate partner with a major law firm up in King of Prussia, uh, and I oh, forget the name let of me it. Tell you, oh, it's the Carl Pryor Mannion uh, law firm. Um, right. So what's the guy named Carl Pryor? He is Deb Clack's personal attorney. So the guardians oh. always have their own attorneys, and the wards are paying, you know, all these attorneys. And, oh, let me that there was another attorney that is party to this this um, this hearing, and, and we have the uh, documents. And his name is David Gaskawayek. He sat by and also felt that this was appropriate appropriate health care for Harvey Witten. So there's another name. And I know Reverend that you know many of the same names and it just we just keep hearing the same names over and over and over. But yes, David Jaskowiak was the was supposed to be representing Harvey's estate. He was representing Univest Bank. Univest Bank is actually the bank that filed the petition to remove me as Harvey's guardian. And yet they didn't accuse me of anything wrong with any bank account, but it was a bank. It was a bank. And David Jaskowiak represented that bank. There was no family members that were in cahoots with any of these people. We were going to be moving Harvey to Wisconsin. We had a complete care plan all planned out, but I guess maybe Univest Bank was a little bit too nervous that the money would get moved. And all the people who were billing and making all the money and getting all the guardianships and the music therapists and the pet therapists and all these other people who would come in and bill, 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 bill for all these different, you know, all these different services, that they would lose out their cash cow. And so instead, they actually all took part in a, it was about an eight-hour hearing, and they all were on board with that they're concerned about more important things than Harvey's eyeglasses, hearing aids, and teeth. And so I mean, there we have it. I, I think it's laughable. Again, just as you described it, cause hearing aid that he can't hear people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. teeth that he can't eat food like a human being. What's he supposed yeah. to do? Just uh, uh, eat a, or a drink out of a bowl of soup for the rest of his life? And mm-hmm. eyeglasses to where he can just watch TV or read a newspaper. I can't think of any more psychological torture than denying a person those things. Mm-hmm. But there, but there. I mean, according to the questioning under oath by Diane Zabelski to Deb Clark, wow. David Jaskowiak sat there and did not say objection. What's going on here? They said, Deb, you're concerned with the more important things than than eyeglasses, hearing aids, and teeth. And that's basically Montgomery County in a nutshell. Basically that one that one sentence there. And Judge Stanley Ock just sat there. Is, yes? is Clark a registered nurse? Yes, she is. Maybe somebody ought to go try to get her license revoked. Oh, we tried that already. It didn't work. Maybe if someone else – well, so here's how she gets around it. When she's guardian, she's not using her RN license, and so she's not she's not doing her 
position as an RN, and that was seemed to be the loophole that she that it did. They didn't revoke her license. And there's a doctor who prescribes all this drug. His name is Dr. Majerian, Dr. Rafi Majerian, out of um, the Meadows over there at um oh shoot what's that um the Shenandoah there in Audubon and then the Meadows. So he's the doctor over there. He's the one who was like filling these prescriptions. And we also filed on his license as well. But I mean, nothing happened. I really feel it's important, even though nothing happens, that everybody files these complaints, you know, complaints with the FBI, the complaints on all the boards, file it with the IRS, just file everything that you can. And maybe someday when enough of us have filed, it will it will make a difference and someone will pick it up one and of the, the things here, together and go, huh? Yes. One of the things here is even though they're not a judge, they're required to carry surety, a surety bond. And so you file first with the, uh, like with an attorney, you file first with the um, bar association, which is going to go nowhere. But then you go and you file right. against that bond. And if three times they'll uh, drop their bond on them. And um, that's, that's how we up. got that. Uh, is there a statute yeah. of limitations? Because oh, I, I have three people that would file on Diane Zabowski. Is there a statute of limitations yeah. on that? Because no, that's a piece no. of cake. Oh, there's yeah. not. Oh, that was, um, but I guess that's what we should all work on. Yeah, that's you know. what I would do. And uh, one of the th- okay. that's not. <laughs> uh, one of the things I that's also okay. was was thinking of is the fact that I think it's like every two months or whatever, these guardians have to file a report with the uh, court as far as how much money they've spent or whatever, uh, or checks something to that nature or what their billing hours were. I'm sorry, what their billing hours are. But what Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of uh, is they can, if they get a debit card, they don't, that can be very easily hidden what they charge on that debit card that comes out of the uh, ward's bank account that nobody can ever find out basically uh, or nobody bother asking, uh, you know, what expenses have you used from the uh, debit card of those people? And that's an easy way to conceal, you know, using uh, the ward's money and getting away with it as opposed to writing a check that can be easily seen. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk, we talked earlier about like the cremation process which is always used to destroy evidence. But you look back at April Parks, um what was that lunatic there in Florida, Rebecca Furley. Yeah. Both of them collected the ashes and the urn in the urns and um Parks had theirs on her I think it was Parks had hers on lighted shelves in her office of people she'd had cremated that she collected their estate. And then Furley had a warehouse. Maybe it was the other way around. I think it was the other way around. Furley had them on lighted shelves. And Parks in Nevada had them in a warehouse. But they're like trophies from a serial killer. Yeah. And um, they keep something. And they were keeping the ashes. But uh, what's... What's killing me is that this is condoned by the government. The, the whole exactly. everything we're talking about is well known by them. They are have been part of passing laws that facilitated it. Um, they refuse to stand up for the people that elected them and try to protect them from this stuff. 
we have got a real problem with government, and the biggest problem I see is that they're all for this program. Uh, hospice now coming into everything, uh, how they're getting paid so much money to take out people as quickly as possible. If you are able to go back and listen to the show from Wednesday night with Marcia Joyner, and the lady uh, is betrayed by hospice from Canada about how their facility up there was shut down and everything taken from them because they refused to participate in euthanasia. They wouldn't do it, so they put them out of business. Um, but this is happening globally. This is yeah. They're calling the elderly globally. They want rid of us. They want rid of us. And if you've got anything worth stealing mm-hmm. before they take you out, they're going to take it and be damned what happens to you. Marty, what, I, yes. I, sorry, for, again, I'm sorry for interrupting That's you. Okay. But no, again, you brought up a very, very important point as far as getting rid of the elderly in Japan. In Japan, they have an abundance of elderly people, and there's not enough yes. young people to work to pay taxes to pay for their care. And they are proposing right. a law that says that if, they, if the elderly agree to take so much money that the government gives them, that they will agree to uh, commit you know, uh, euthanasia yes. on themselves, suicide – in yeah. exchange for this money, and the government actually has the gall to say, well, think with this new money, you can take yourself out to dinner and have a nice you know, vacation or whatever. I mean, how sick oh, can wow. a government be yeah, when they say, well, just like you said, well, you know, let's get rid of the elderly. They're a burden. You know, they're, they're taking up yeah. good oxygen mm-hmm. or whatever, and we'll pay you to kill yourself. That's sick. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, we've got May laws I- in Maryland. And Wyoming now that uh, make it okay, makes it lawful or legal, not lawful, but legal to starve those with dementia, Alzheimer's, or mental illness to death because the rest of the state should not have to pay uh, for somebody who's not going to get well. And they're doing it. They're doing it. Out in Washington, what my point I'm trying to make here is how human life has been devalued while these religious right freaks jump up and scream, oh, life, we got to protect life. These things are going on, but they don't do anything about them. Washington State. No. Um, well, what's interesting? They're taking I'm sorry. cadavers and they're adding them, they're, de- they're composting them, and then they're spreading that along with other sewage and sludge on agricultural fields. Now, get a clue here, somebody. Um, but we're seeing these laws creep in all over the place. And when you go into hospice, that charge nurse can change any. She can put up a DNR. She can do whatever she wants to do. And you have no choice. that They get a doctor anywhere, anywhere, who's never seen you, never heard of you, call futility of care. And once that happens, they stop all food and hydration because Food and hydration is now considered medical treatment and not a human necessity. Dehydration is a very painful process, and they start drugging them. And eventually, Miss Nurse will roll in with what's called the kill shot, and that's the Heldol, morphine, Seroquel, Ativan, whatever they've concocted. Within about 20 minutes, they're gone. I know because they murdered my sister here two years ago in May. 
this is what they do every day, all day, and then they go home as if nothing happened, come back the next day and do it all again. I want to know who it is has the right or thinks they have the right to decide that your life or my life or somebody else's life isn't worth living anymore. Who are you to well, decide I think that? I, I think it's <laughs> interesting that... I think it's interesting to go back to World War II, and that's exactly what the Nazis did. Uh, if you were Jewish, yes. you were worthless. If you were homosexual, you were worthless. If you were handicapped, you were worthless. You're a burden on society. Well, guess what? History does repeat itself. And they yeah. started on the elderly first. Um, they would go into these villages. This is before they went after – you know, and I hear about the the Jewish Holocaust – but you know that there were millions of gypsies killed, Romanians, right. Czechoslovakians, Polish. That's right. 23 million people died under Nazi Germany. Uh, how this got focused down to it was the Jewish Holocaust. There wasn't but 800,000 Jewish people in Germany, and when they were killing them, they killed another 600,000 Germans who wouldn't go along with the program, but we don't talk about them. And, um, but this is, but what I'm saying is this. You can't get this down to ethnicity. This is age. Um, it's age-related. We, it, you mentioned being not taxable in Japan. I've heard from people in Japan who said we had elderly neighbors. The police came and picked them up. We haven't seen them again, and somebody else is living in their apartment. And um, But they're mm. snatching people off the street over there. And what you're going to see in China, they had that one – uh, baby policy, trying like to reduce child, the population. Yeah. yeah, so if they had a little girl, everybody wanted boys. If they had a little girl, they'd leave them alongside the road or just kill them or whatever. Well, now it turns out there's five males for every female. And we got a problem because the rapes are sky high going through the roof. So now they decided that maybe you could have a girl or a boy. But they're they're doing the same thing there. The, uh, look into a, a corporation. It's global, called Icor, capital I, capital K, O R, Icor. They sell um, uh, franchises on guardianships and conservatorships, and the byline is fast, easy, consistent money. And they are operating in virtually every country on the planet. And so more and more people are getting sucked into this system of what I consider it is organized murder and theft. And to think that your life would get down to this, um, you know, I've had younger people say to me, uh, well, you know, uh, when people get older, um, uh, you know, they, they're, they're just sucking the life out of everybody. And, you know, and, and, and we need those resources. I got news for you, buddy. I helped put those resources there for you. And yeah. the idea that because I cannot be, suck dry with taxes anymore um, that I'm considered non-productive people my age and many younger but for more than 50 years 55 almost 60 contributed to Medicare and Social Security plus the premium that I have to pay now people think Medicare is free it is not plus all the co-payments and like any other insurance company, it only pays maybe 80%. And they've got all sorts of tricks and everything else of why they don't have to pay. And so you're being deluded for one thing. But it's real easy to stand there and say, well, you know, you've had a long life and you need to let go, really? Well, you've had a short life, mm-hmm. you haven't done anything with it, why don't you go? 
Yeah. You know, I got stuff I want to do. Yeah. You know? uh, well, I, I think the, I think I, the, about this. I, I think again the core of this guardianship is the so-called incapacitation. Well, there's no clear yes. definition of it and what constitutes exactly. incapacitation. And as far as it being based on memory, everybody has a memory problem. Everybody. Yes. Lawyers use yes. yellow legal pads because they can't remember. Uh, 3M, they make billions of dollars because they sell post-it notes. Everybody yeah. makes notes. Everybody forgets. Let's kill all the husbands that forget their wives' anniversaries, okay? I mean, I this is idea. ludicrous. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, that, that's the thing, and you're absolutely right. But, see, we differentiate by age, and that's we ex- are no longer – That's discrimination. That's exactly it, Marty. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's yep. discrimination. It's whether it's, yes. uh, you know, male, female, young, old. Well, again, if you're 70 and you've got a memory problem, oh, well, then you're incapacitated. You know, that's an yes. insult. That's, yeah, it is. It but, is. And, uh, and just because yeah, people confuse, just because people yeah. may confuse or they forget something that, you know, at the wrong time or they confuse one thing with another, so what? That's called human. We're yes. not a computer yeah. that see, we store everything in a hard drive. But see, we are considered a commodity. The government lists us as the most valuable product they have, and they are buying, selling, and trading us. Whether you're in the womb or you're headed for the grave, they are buying, selling, and trading us. They're making money off of us, and when they can't figure out how to get more money out of us, they want rid of us. And... Um, I think the big greatest danger we face is D.C., the lack of any uh, any workable solution to anything, any honest effort to handle things in a, uh, what do I want to say, a, a, a respectful, uh, concerned way. It, it's all about money and who's got power and who's going to get this position mm-hmm. and who's going to do that and who's getting money from this company and that company. Every time we've tried to change these guardianship laws, you see the it never works. donations. We see the donations from bar associations to their campaigns in the hundreds of thousands, and son of a gun, nothing happens. And well, so who do you think is really running the show? I yeah. think the answer is the uh, lawsuits – but against the lawyers that do guardianships, if they don't have, yeah. if they if if they have d- simply done paperwork to you know push people into guardianships, and yet that psychologist doesn't have a proven evaluation right. that will prove somebody is incapacitated. If it's just some paper and pencil test or a five minute, ten minute talk, then that's fraud. That is fraud. I know yeah. one psychologist who charges $4,000 for a two-hour meeting with the person. And one of the things I found, again, this is in Pennsylvania, none of these people ever record. They never record their conversations with people. So they can write a report saying so-and-so couldn't put a sentence together, but they have no proof of that. Now, that's called evidence. Right. Right. And if you're going to build a case on somebody, if you're going to prosecute somebody of a crime, the first thing the defense attorney is going to ask is, where is your evidence to prove my client did it? 
Well, you just don't say yeah. take my word for it, which is what yeah. these psychologists are saying. Take my word for it. That's what they said. It's but like see, the whole, well, like the whole probate, probate. They don't need any evidence for anything. You know, they are not required yeah. to follow the rules of evidence or to produce any evidence, and they are never asked for it by the hearing examiner. <laughs> Your attorney more than likely isn't going to ask for it either. Uh, if you try to ask for it, they'll silence you, uh, but they're not required because this is not a court of law. It is not, mm-hmm. and this is a kangaroo court, a tribunal, and it's rigged. You're you're dead yeah. before you get in the door. They've already decided how things are going to go down before you get in there. Yeah, it's totally rigged. They, but the ex parte communication, is, I mean, oh, my gosh, they probably have their lunch meetings and they spin the yep. dial what Ward's picking up that check. But you know what? While we are talking about Montgomery County, I, uh, you know, I try not to be the glory hog and always talk about my case. And I feel I do a good job about that. But, you know, Reverend, you're from Montgomery County. And we we touched on the topic of Harvey, and it wasn't too long ago, and we were celebrating Memorial Day. And is it okay, Marty, if I do a little tribute to Harvey Witten for Memorial Day? And and um, sure. So so Harvey Witten was a Korean War vet when he was 19 years old. He went in to serve his country as a medic in the army, and when he, he obviously, you know, survived. And I remember it was his 80th birthday and him and Bob, they were telling me all about what they were going to be doing. And Bob was so wonderful. And um, this was before all this crap, you know, started. And um, Harvey, Harvey started to cry. And he told me about being in the Korean War. And he said, I held so many young boys in my arms and they died and why am I still alive and he was celebrating his 80th birthday but Harvey had done something more than just think about those boys he had their dog tags he knew who they were and when he got out of Korea he went and toured the United States and visited all the different family members of the falling soldiers because he, because he wanted them to know that their boy did not die alone and that he was there with him. But what Montgomery County did to Harvey Witten was sentenced him to die alone, the very thing that he thought would have been so tragic and that he was so, so concerned about someone not dying alone. And that is how Montgomery County allowed our military veteran Harvey Witten to be treated to die alone. And that's that's what his government allowed to happen. And thank you for allowing me to share it. Sorry, I got emotional. I have one other thing while we're talking about hospice, Marty. As you know, we hope to bring a story next Friday. And I know she's listening because I want her to, you know, hear our show. And this is going to be a first. And we're getting some documents. And um, so anyway, this young lady's father was in hospice. And, I mean, as we all know, hospice do not resuscitate. You know, they don't do any of these things. Well, suddenly it was it was discovered while he was in hospice, and he probably only had a few days to live, he was a multimillionaire. 
And so all of a sudden, 911 was called. He was pulled out of hospice. He was brought to a hospital, and he was resuscitated, given an IV. And I, and what she told me is that if you give an IV to someone who's been in hospice and is appreciating, they were able to keep her father alive for two months while they guardianized him. They had thrown him in a nursing home under John Doe while all this happened, and she couldn't find her father for a month. And when she did finally find found him, all the paperwork had been done, the will has been changed, and they basically feasted upon this estate. And the guardian told her that her father had decided that neither her nor her three daughters should have should um should be in the will. And so this is a first that I don't think we've ever heard before, Marty, that someone in hospice ready to pass away is resuscitated and guardianized so that they could steal that estate. And if everything if everything works out, we hope to be bringing you that story next Friday. It's, it's just wow. that'll be a great story. Wow. That'll be a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be breaking that one next Friday, and we just really I've. I've talked to her, and obviously I can't control my emotions, but, I mean, she she has a hard time controlling her emotions. So it's it's hard to come on these shows sometimes, aren't they, Marty? Like, you, you, you have to have your emotions under control or your message isn't going to be told. And so we're, right. we're hoping that we're, you know, Marty and I, behind the scenes, we're prepping everyone, you know, how to come on the show, how to get your story across and have everybody – you know, over the place because once people understand your story, it's more powerful, especially depending on what sort of media is listening. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Cause. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, so. and, and I know this is emotional for people. And yeah. Hang on there. Okay, and it is, and, and we understand that. But um, – too many times, you know, the emotion, people get carried away, if you know what I'm saying. It gets the better exactly. of them. And, you know, yeah. and you're you're in an outlet situation where you couldn't, and people are listening, and it does put a lot of stress on you already. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have to just grit your teeth and roll on. But the other thing is, until you've been through it, and honestly, I personally, other than with my sister, have not, and um, not to the extent many people have. What was done to her was done over a matter of a few days, and uh, so I didn't have that long, drawn-out uh, uh, process to go through. But uh, it's just uh, have a little, have a little compassion um, until you've been in that. Um, situation and I don't think there's anything worse than having someone you love under someone else's control doing whatever they want to do to them and you can't do a thing about it and um, the the idea that these yeah it is and I think some of these people um, I think I I just I don't believe in hell personally I don't, don't but I wish I did because um, I would stoke the fire myself for these people. And, and, you know, the thing is, I think you ought to keep track of all of these predators. And when the, it's an opportune time, I think we ought to file for guardianship. 
and then take yeah. whatever we can get from that and redistribute it to the families they stole it from. Um, yeah. It just, I, I don't know that we would ever, um, I, I just would have never thought this could have happened in this country. You know, oh, other well, places, Marty, yeah, um, but, you know, yeah. Go ahead. Marty, I, I agree with you, uh, and the fact that it goes beyond what they steal from the ward, it's the fact that the heirs of those loved ones, they don't get what the ward wanted them to have, uh, no, just like right. with Mr. Witten. And again, it's it's yeah. like stealing twice. You're stealing from the person, and as I have uh, as I have basically thought of it as stealing money from a blind man's cup. You know, the person is incapacitated. Uh, they have no control over stopping the money, losing you know losing the money from their accounts or losing the house to a, a sale, and it basically is as low as a person can be to do what they're doing. I mean, it's just a yes. sick person to I do mean, something like that. It's like it's like molesting a child. The child has oh, no defense yeah. yes. against it. And now these people are stealing not only from a person that can't defend themselves or protect themselves, they're stealing from the heirs where these people had saved their money to give to these yeah. people, and now they get nothing. Well, In my you know, opinion, the, is, the ward paid for their murder. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we say it's like telling, uh, telling the, the prisoner that they've got to pay the executioner to weave the rope. And um, it's just that people don't seem to understand that euthanasia is exactly what they do to death row prisoners. Exactly. And um, mm-hmm. so you're watching it, well, and I say ward means prisoner of the state. So they're executing yeah. more mm-hmm. prisoners. Yeah. In China, that's what they do. They make the person they're going to execute. Uh, you want to talk about what people can do. In China, they make the prisoner pay for the bullet that's going to be used to you know, yes. shoot him in the back of the head. And for every prisoner they execute, they have a van for that person after they're shot to keep them alive to a point of getting yes. them to the hospital so they can sell their organs worldwide. It's Right. One of the ways communist countries make money. Yep. And again, and, uh, and that's the thing. Uh, yeah, and Marty, on, you, you touched on it. Marty, you touched on it earlier about uh, once these people are dead, how much more money the uh, guardians can make by selling, you know, organs yeah. and parts of the body and all. So by the time they get the body back, it may look normal, but there's nothing left inside of it. Right. Right. Uh, one of the first times we came, uh, this came to the surface that this kind of stuff was going on was I interviewed a man here about three years ago named Barry Taub out of Alabama. He was a mortician, uh, very well respected in his field and the company he worked for. He started noticing that when bodies came in to be prepped for a funeral, they were missing tendons and bones, and they wanted him to use PVC pipe um, to hide that. And he reported it to the owner of the company, who immediately set about attacking him. Anyway, he had a friend who had a friend in the FBI who said, you need to report this to them. So he did. And it, of course, was a whistleblower lawsuit. He supposedly won $14 million. He never saw a dime of it. The attorney took it all. And um, But here they'd been doing this forever. 
and they're doing this now uh, to a greater extent. And this is why you're seeing all of these companies come up with cheap cremation, um, cheap this, cheap that, <laughs> composting, everything else, is so that there is no final examination of that body so you can't see what all has been taken from them. On organ harvesting, the reason they keep them alive, if the organs are deprived of oxygen for even two minutes, they're no good, not for harvesting and transplant. Now they can be used for other purposes, but not for those things. So it depends on who your buyer is. But you're absolutely right. They have a van waiting right there to start carving them up. We had uh, Dr. John uh, Stein on, or Burns, I think his name is, on the show here about year four last. And he was talking about organ harvesting. And he um, said he participated in one uh, one session where they were harvesting organs. And he said that they they can't be given any anesthetic because it makes the organs unusable, just like in executions. So they give them a paralytic. He said people still, he said the man they were working on, they started eviscerating him. And he raised his arm up and tears started rolling out of his eyes. He said, I walked out. He said, I couldn't couldn't go on with that. And But he said, these people are alive when they do this. And he said, no, that's the part you don't know. He said, this is taken from live breathing. When he said they have someone on child or on uh, air support, you know, life support, he said they're keeping them alive till they can find a buyer for those organs. I almost threw up. I, I swear I did. Like I said, yeah. we've been commodified. They are making money off of us every possible way they can, including carving us up and parting us out. We have no value. And... um uh, no offense, Reverend Ralph, but this is one of the reasons um, I, this religious thing I have to I have to leave it alone. And um, that doesn't mean I don't believe in God; it means I don't believe in religion. And um, but they pick and choose whose life is worth saving. That's that's not the way it's supposed to be. But I I just don't. We've got about ten minutes left here. Um, Cause Reverend, is there anything else you wanted to wind up with here? We do have a hog report. Oh, well, then you need to do the hog report. (laughs) (laughs) The hog report today, the hog report is brought to you today by Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. I guess it's appropriate that the Reverend is on and talking about Montgomery County with our sponsor out of Montgomery County, a pretty corrupt county there. Um, I heard rumor has it it could be the most corrupt county in the United States. Nothing oh, wow. to be proud about there. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I know they've. I know they've even messed with you, Marty. I mean, these are some nasty people. Yeah. So anyway, yep. I am just going to report on the annoying hog. It got back to me, Marty. The annoying hog, it just it just gets so obvious. So let's say that you know, you did a lot of work and you got to have a meeting with an elected official and there you are with them and you're getting to tell your story and it's on you got 
pictures and you know what? If I knew someone that did that, you know, Marty and Reverend, if you had, if you like Reverend, if you got your picture with Dr. Oz, cause he's running in your County, I would say, Whoa, there's the Reverend with Dr. Oz. Now a glory hog, let me just say an annoying glory hog would go, Whoa, Reverend, why wasn't I there? Why was it all about yeah. you? You are the one with Dr. Yeah. Oz, and it wasn't me. I should have been there, too. It's just, Marty, can I just say it's annoying. There is so much of this going on, these glory hogs, and they, they can't even be happy. It would be like me then telling the Reverend, who do you think you are, to be hobnobbing with Dr. Oz when you know, and really it would be because I was jealous that I wasn't there and I didn't get to meet Dr. Oz. And, you know, it, it's just that kind of, and you know what, I, I think it would be cool, everyone, if you met Dr. Oz. I mean, that would be a cool thing. So I'm, you know, using that as an example. But, you know, he's a big TV personality and he's running, is it Senate? He's running for Senate in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And I guess there was a recount and he won his recount and all this stuff. So we'll see if we have a TV doctor. I don't know. The powers of be might not want him there, but we'll see. But, you yeah. know, it's just, it's just getting annoying because I hear all these different stories. I've heard there's, you know, different movements in different states, and I know the Ohio girls, they, you know, come on, and there's always a hog. There's always a hog that wants to have their face on the Zoom call or their face at the media or at the meeting, and, and, and they can't be happy anybody they can't be wow way to go way to make the networking work and meet the person that you could get your story to and that you could talk about the problem to they attack the person because they weren't there because they want to be the one there and they don't even want you there they only want themselves there and I've just heard too many stories about the hog lately and I'm just annoyed I'm just annoyed, Arnie, and therefore, today's hog report is just the annoying hog. But would the glory hog go away? There you go. Ooh, I got a lot of oinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is an annoying thing. It's, you know, we can laugh and try to make fun of it but it it makes us all look bad and the desperation yeah. these hogs have for attention and being the center of attention and if it wasn't for me when they had nothing to do with it it's quite apparent to everyone you know yeah. you know they didn't um but they'll they'll stand up anyway and claim that they did so it's just um like I say and they're always screaming for unity we all got to work together when they have no intention and their idea of working together is I'll be king and you do what I tell you and then I'll stand up and take credit. That's their idea. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just uh, we've got just about five minutes left here. Cause Reverend, do you have anything else you want to add? Well, um, 
I, I thank you for allowing me to be on the show. And next week, I expect to have some very, very specific names and information that will expose further the corruption of guardian, certain guardians and lawyers in uh, Montgomery County. And I think that will be of value to some of the people that might be undergoing yeah. this type of uh, torture now with those people. The one thing I have yeah. found is, and Marty, you have said it, and Kaz, you have said it, these corrupt people are criminals. And the one thing that criminals hate, whether bank robbers or burglars, they hate exposure. And I think by yep. naming these people's names and their addresses and their phone numbers, so anybody listening can simply call them up and give them a little bit of their peace of mind, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that would, uh, you know, again, they, they think they're greater than everybody else. And by knocking them off their mm-hmm. pedestal a little, by having people call them what they think of it, especially those people that have gone through this and basically now can have, cannot do anything more to help themselves, I think maybe uh, to let those people know just how corrupt and disgusting they are, it wouldn't hurt that, for them to hear it. Yeah, I agree. You know, now, uh, Reverend, the last couple of years... Oh, go ahead, Cos. Oh, I just was going to say, this was the Reverend's first time on our show, and, and just, you know, how excited I am that, Marty, that you found the Reverend and that the Reverend came out of Montgomery Well, you found him. We just shared him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I wanted to say over the last few years, one of the things that has kind of gotten my attention is from the science community um, to where they talk about there being two, if not possibly three, different species of human being on the planet right now. We're not all the same. I found that of interest because people who are sociopaths are born that way. They are deficient in their character. Uh, They seldom have any integrity or any uh, boundaries or any sense of what is right and what is wrong. It's just what they want. And they're quite lethal. Um, they become murderers when they, if they become psychopathic. And I think many of these people, these predator guardians, have crossed the line. But my point here is this. What got me into this was there are far too many of these people for it to be an aberration. So that, to me, speaks to being a different species that doesn't have empathy, sympathy, any genuine caring, love, concern, or anything for anyone else. Um, They lack the ability to experience those emotions. I think they're born exactly that way. But that's the only way I can explain the proliferation of these people and how vicious they can become. The damage they can do. Yeah. Go ahead. I I think it's uh, typical of all criminals. I mean, again, whether it's stealing, raping, robbing, burglarizing, uh, whatever, they are criminals and criminals just think they are better than everybody and that it's, they can do whatever they feel like. But you ask them, would you want somebody to do that to your mother or to your sister or to your son or daughter? And they'd all say, no, 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 that shouldn't be that way. Well, then, why do you do it to others? 
And yes, that's, yeah. I think, interesting how two-faced they are, what kind of hypocrites they are to, yeah. for these guardians and these lawyers to say, well, it's all right if I do it to somebody else, but I don't want them to do it to me or my loved one. But, but Reverend, you know what I think the, the, the line is? It's, it's that theft thing again, taking what doesn't belong to them. If you let somebody else in there, and they might get the estate and the assets and everything. And I think that's where their concern comes. I don't think that they're concerned with that person being someone close to them or anything like that. It's who's going to get the goods. That's, I would that's agree. what I think it is. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. agree with you, Marty. I agree with yeah. you on that. Okay. Well, listen, we're down to about two minutes here. We're going to close this up. Reverend, thank you for coming on. We'll look forward to you next week. And okay. thank you always for all your help. And uh, I don't know what I've done without you the last month. And um, it's been it's been a trip. But um, like I say, we'll look forward to the Reverend next week and then a case that Cause is going to expose if we can get everything lined up on that. And we will right. talk to you all then. Thank you, everybody who tuned in. Kazi, thank you for being here. Reverend, thank you. Thank you. And we will, yeah, we will talk to you all next week. Good night, everybody. All right. Have a, have a good week. Good night. Bye-bye. Night. Good night. Bye-bye.